be no more. Welcome to the last Star Wars podcast. I'm your host, Spencer Chandler, here with my co-host, Christian Miller, who is making all kinds of funny faces at me. And it's good to be back, Christian. How are you doing? I am actually here. I was, I'm not actually muted. Um, so, yeah. Welcome back, Spencer. Welcome back, myself. <laughs> we're, we're back with the Resistance Rewatch for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been a while. We took a break for Kenobi, and we took a break after Kenobi. We actually took a break in the middle of Kenobi. Um, if you listen to it, you know why. Summers um, are hard, man. So, yeah. And we're trying to at least finish season one of Resistance. Um, uh, we wish we wish we could have finished it before Kenobi to make it all like neat and tidy, but it's fun. Uh, after a long hiatus, we're back watching this very fun uh, Easter egg heavy light spawn adventure Star Wars show. Oh yeah. Well, before we get there, um, Christian, how has your week been? Have you done anything fun and Star Warsy this week? Constantly, I can't get away from this, this little this little space opera. Um, and since we passed or since we last recorded, I've gone all the way through the original trilogy. Um, well, actually, so I finished Rebels, right? Yes, amazing. I want. I I'm so I'm aching for more Rebels, and the way we get that is Ahsoka. Um, I wish we had more animated series, but it's fine. I'm hyped for Ahsoka. Um, then I watched Rogue One, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, Last Jedi, Rise of Skywalker, all within like six, seven days, I think. Very nice. Um, oh, because like I had time to do this because I had COVID. I need a soundboard. Um, Part of it, part of why I was so eager to do it though, is like is before I had COVID. Um, I took a three day vacation and like did nothing Star Wars. So I guess that kind of prepped me. Mm-hmm. Um, good stuff. Um, and then update. Okay, I might as well do this update on my feelings about Frost. I I braved it. I faced it. Uh, two years out, three years out, however long it's two and a half years out. Um, I'm no longer repulsed by the things I don't like. I just sort of know that I don't like them, and I I can sit with that, and I can sit with the things that that I was probably afraid to embrace, but I could really do like you know. Um, yeah, it's funny because like r- literally the day after I finished watching it, uh, movies with Mikey, a really good YouTube channel. Um, released a video essay about how he came to terms, how he's coming to terms with what Disney's doing, and why he likes quite a bit of it at this point of, of Tross, at least. So I've been thinking about that stuff, and I got super obsessive, and I started rewriting my own version of Tross in a nice. genuinely from a from a good place, not in the I'm smarter, I'm better. So I don't know, I just like wanted to start. I was thinking about it so much, I started writing it down. Um, so that's my deal. And then Spencer, I, text, I texted you this link for a thing that I thought was going to be the only update. 
but then I forgot about how long it's been since we podcasted. Yeah. So I ended up doing this whole spiel for the past two weeks of my life. I'm sorry for rambling. It's okay. But because I you know why? Because you make up for the fact that I've done nothing Star Wars related in two weeks, and I've severely needed this podcast. Because yes. well, you also needed you also needed strange things, strange things, because you've been without it for so long. Yes. So for anyone who I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast, but like my favorite TV show of all time is Stranger Things. I've have seen every season way too many times, and so now that season four is officially all out i needed time to just sit down and process i'm still okay this is gonna be really bad but i'm still not done um you know my girlfriend and i are watching it together and so there have been times where like she can't watch it and so we you know i have to take a day break or something because i'm also not trying to watch every more than one episode a day because it's a lot Mm -hmm. it's a lot i didn't know how serious you were when you were like because you you yeah, warned me well, you, you're I'm, like don't watch I'm very I'm very organized and very um habitual with my TV watching so that like I'm either watching if it's an hour long episode or 44 minutes it's like I will watch one a day and mm-hmm. if it's 22 minutes 30 minutes I'll do two I'll chunks of two hopefully god forbid I ever get stuck on an odd number I'm weird about that. Like, like yeah. if the show has odd number of, of episodes, it really screws up my schedule. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, I already divide things up very neatly with my shows. Yeah. So, even though, like, I see what you're saying. Like, you, you're not as much like that. But... Oh, no, I will binge watch. Stranger Things demands that of you because of how long it is. Oh, yeah. Um, I have two episodes left, so, I mean, we're getting into, like, the down and gritty of it, and I love it. It's so good. But anyway, we're not here to talk about Stranger Things. Um, I do want to, however, talk about that link that you sent me, um, because from someone who may not understand uh, physics or just, like, numbers in general, uh, you don't really get the sense of just how crazy that is. Um, so just so that it's hilarious, yes, it is absolutely hilarious. So, uh, anyone, a little bit of of background while you pull it up. So, I keep finding more gimmick accounts, uh, for Star Wars on Twitter. Um, like I love the you know, shot by shot account, and then I found some like behind the scenes accounts, concept art accounts, and then recently I found this account that is crazy ass moments in star wars history which it can be real life or within the star wars universe and they just they just bring up like things that like people forget about that are like super weird and the one that they posted today i think was of this clip from rebels where um agent Callus is fighting zeb uh yes. i don't know if Spencer, you're, you're, if you're gonna be able to put the clip in and post or whatever but i will try my hardest but if you can't look it up on Twitter, it's really funny. Um, yeah, it came out yesterday. Um, this tweet was tweeted. Um, anyway, it's Agent Callus rolling on the ground very, very quickly, like very quickly. Um, and this person, maybe they did it themselves or looked it up. 
Um, but someone has calculated his acceleration based on, you know, the height that we know that Zeb is and the height that we know that Agent Callus is and, you know, calculating, you know, basic physics math stuff. Anyway. And stuff like that. Yes. So looking at it, it says that he accelerated at a rate of 69.75 meters per second squared, which doesn't sound like a, like a whole lot. Right. But, um, that's about 7.1 G's. Now this Christian, is that what confused you? Cause you don't really have a concept for G's. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the easiest way to explain this one G is the force of gravity. Like G's are oh, like G force. Like the, yes. like the, like movie. the little a- animal, like the little, uh, hamsters, yeah, exactly. However many hamsters you have, that's how many G's you have. Whatever. Um, so one G is the force of gravity on your bo- acting on your body whenever you're touching the ground. It's 9.8 meters per second squared that's pulling you down toward the earth. Seven G's means that if you calculated the, if you had seven times the force of gravity of earth pulling down on your body at one time. So, you know, the, you know, you understand like terminal velocity, your terminal velocity would be like seven times or to the exponent of seven times higher. If you had seven G's, um, to put it into perspective, um, if someone, it, his fight- zero to 60, right. It was his zero to 60 was like less than a second. Yeah. It was 0.31 seconds. But to put 7.1 Gs into perspective, just so you know how much of an absolute unit this man is, uh, when you're going in a fighter jet at approximately, you know, top speed in a fighter jet or like 800 knots, which is very, very fast, uh, if you were to like pull up and just go straight up, that's about 9 Gs. And he's approaching that. (laughs) Like, that's the force that we're talking about pulling up on him. Like, 10 Gs, it is, like, I don't know if you've seen, like, any of the Top Gun movies, but 10 Gs can rip apart a fighter jet. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he's moving very fast. Um, Quick physics lessons for everyone. So, yeah, I just thought, and it also just, like, visually looks hilarious. So, like, there's all those, like, questions that you just can't help but have that I never had when I watched that episode recently. I never even noticed that. It. Yeah. It's just like, okay, is it, is this one of those style adaptation kind of things? Or is it literally saying he can do that? Because you don't see him do that ever again. Um, and it just, like, he's just, like, it looks like a video game glitch. Like he's just like accelerating without ever springing off anything or there's no run up time or anything. He just like starts twirling and just keeps doing it. And his relative speed to Zeb is just like exponentially higher. And it's just like insane to look at. Yeah. And it's too funny. It's too funny to like actually critique. I can't believe people in the comments were like, oh, this is because the Rebels budget was so bad and like I can't believe they did this so poorly. Like, how could you be upset at this? This is so funny. Yeah. 
Well, and I will, um, I'll put this picture definitely in the podcast, but another image that they posted today is Han Solo fist fighting a space otter. It's mm-hmm. from a comic from the 90s, and it's really funny. Um, and then you have the new one, which I don't know if I should say on the podcast, because it's not really PG. Oh, is it the one of uh, Bo-Katan? No, no, no. That one's funny. That, it's like uh, Bo-Katan inappropriately interacts with Sokatana because she slaps her butt. Like, yeah, well, Bo-Katan's um, introduction... If you watch Bogota's first episode, there is no indication that she's going to be a major, very in-depth character at, at all. Yeah, like, she's very. She, like, they introduced her as like, oh, we need a girl Mandalorian, and like, she's very one note. And then I forgot about that scene. It's insane. Well, and she like, grabs her face first, and then anyway. Uh, No, the one I'm just going to say on the who cares. This show hasn't been PG other times as well. Um, There's no way this is true. There's no way that this was actually said by this person. Um, But it says John Boyega on Ray's romantic life post Tross. Did you see that? He said that. He said that. I don't really. I don't I don't want to do that. Because I (laughs) that was while like the Raylo ship discourse was very active. And I unreasonably got upset. He really said that. that. That's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Like, there was a bit too much vitriol over just him not sharing the opinion that Raylo was his thing. Like, it's okay if that's not his thing. So I remember being, like, a little bit over overly, like, offended by that for no, for no good I reason. So I, I just feel bad about, like... It's it's what he said was kind of inappropriate in like a totally different way. It's not about disagreeing with Raylo. It's more about like he kind of said a sexist thing, but I don't. don't, It's not that. It's it's not a huge situation. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's a funny little uh, Twitter feed, so I'll probably be checking in on it uh, regularly. Yeah, that's all. Uh, we should talk about resistance because we're like twenty minutes into the podcast and haven't talked about uh, any resistance. As is our custom. As is our custom, and then we're gonna uh, because we like to keep these episodes at like an hour or to an hour fifteen. Uh, we yeah, we should probably start talking. Um, so as per usual with our resistance rewatches for the first time, mm, been a long time since I got to say that. Uh, Rewatch. For the first time. Me for the first time, indeed. Um, It sounds like I'm just learning English. Uh, (laughs) So, as per usual with these episodes, we will not be doing uh, a synopsis for all the episodes because that would take way too much time. Uh, And the episodes are so short, so if you want to really, like, know what we're talking about, we hope that our conversation is entertaining enough uh, as it Mm -hmm. is. But if you would like to watch the episodes... uh, Today, we will be talking about uh, Season 1, Episode 16, The Core Problem, uh, Episode 17, The Disappeared, and Episode 18, Descent. So if you'd like to go watch those episodes, they're like 20 minutes apiece, and that way you kind of know exactly what we're talking about, and you know we can all have a good time. But if you don't want to, we hope that you enjoy the conversation anyway. So, mm-hmm. so we- in, in lieu of a synopsis, the general arc of this is 
we're reaching more clarity over what the first order is doing. Yes. And getting this sort of urgency of what the Colossus needs to do, or Kaz and, and as a stand in for the Colossus, what it should do, um, how the resistance plays into that, um, because there are other missions the resistance needs to be doing. Um, as well. They're not the only ones, but we're really focusing on them. And then also Tam is very important because of her growing distrust in how Yeager and Kaz have dealt with this whole situation. Mm-hmm. And the overall being of, of the First Order's grip on the Colossus, how it's affecting the citizens. So those are the three major like I don't know if I'm totally doing that episode by episode. Probably a mix, but like those are like three major. Like we're talking about three episodes, and those are the three big ideas yes. that are going to guide our discussion. So yes, well, with this first episode, this is a very special episode because this is a popisode. Popisode. A popisode. <laughs> uh, we love a popisode, and we love CB23, and just like. Mm-hmm. It's very emotional to see BB-8 go. It is. I was actually like really sad. I didn't think that I would be because, like, I think we we were supposed to know that BB-8 was going to go back with Poe at some point. But it's like, no, like not today. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that's so sad. Um, and then at the very end of the episode, it's oh, I know I'm already skipping to the end, but it's whatever. Um, at the end of the episode, it's like, uh you know kaz is like oh we'll just wait and we'll exchange droids later and i was like yeah they're not actually going to exchange droids because there's going to be some reason for them not to and then they exchange droids anyway and i was upset but that was the i love that the way of showing that too though oh it was cool they just sort yeah. of flow past each other and little, like do a little wave goodbye it's yeah so cute. this episode also has one of my favorite comedic bits in like the entire in the entire show probably and it's so small that most people probably miss it uh it's when uh poe and kaz first land on the planet and they're walking and kaz like he and uh poe's basically like you think you can i can trust you with this blaster and he's like yeah i'll be safe i promise and then he trips and poe without missing a beat goes watch yourself kaz (laughs) i don't know oscar isaac does the line so well it's really funny yeah again renewed appreciation for the fact that they got oscar isaac oh yeah yeah, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why the Pope episodes are so good is because we do get the genuine Oscar Isaac. And, you know, it kind of makes it to where you can't write these episodes to not be Poe Dameron because, like, I feel like, especially Oscar Isaac, having such pride in his character would be like, that's not what Poe would do. Poe would do this instead. It also allows for... uh for him to just like kind of go off script and sometimes and like change the the you know change the lines a little bit possibly because he's like no Poe would say this and I love it so we all love a good Poe episode but uh, okay I've got something to show you yes uh, I don't know if it's gonna show up very well I uh, if you have a, if you have a lot of free time feel free to look this up on the internet and insert it into the episode. But you probably won't, so I'm gonna try to get it on the webcam. See this like oh yeah probing droid here? Yeah. That like kind of resembles the man of steel little drill thing at mm-hmm. the end. Um I think it's one of the main reasons why it didn't show up in this movie. 
because it might have been developed around the time Man of Steel was coming out. So that was a, a Force Awakens concept for they're just throwing out first order ideas for like their big weapon, the thing that was going to be the action climax. Yeah. Um, so like that was the idea of it sort of tied into with like the circular base sort of thing, like the idea of big machine and destroying a planet. So it's like drilling a hole, we end up getting a circular base. It has a hole in the planet cored out. More on that later because it does have to do with this episode. Because um, this is the core problem. Yes, this is the core problem. So like they're they're going back to these ideas, except it's for a totally different thing. The probot, the updated first order probe droid that has little um, babies inside of it, looks exactly like this probing thing that I just showed you. Yeah, got these little folding, almost like Eve from Wally. Those kind of those kind of like wings sort of things. And in the classic probe droid sort of head. Yeah. Um, and, you know, just has like sort of like icicle shape. And also the babies inside of it are black paint overs of the classic Jedi. Um, what's it called? Training. Uh, training. Drones, droids. Something. Yeah. Orbs. Yeah, orbs. training orbs. The little things that. <laughs> yeah. You know, that was actually a uh, really good impression. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Listen, not only did I watch the movie on VHS growing up, but I played the Hasbro online game where you had to deflect the training orb. Oh, yeah. um, so I memorized the sounds very well. Okay, I don't want to go off topic, but did you ever go on Hasbro.com to play Star Wars games? I think maybe when I was younger, but I also was way too obsessed with just going outside with my lightsabers with my brother and beating the crap out of him. Yeah, 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 going outside. Yeah, just kidding. I, I, uh, we joke. Uh, I actually was quite the outside kid until I was like 13. Um, yeah, me too. But, That's kind of when I stopped. Um, we need to do an episode because I don't know how to find those games. I, I, I don't think they're on the website. So I want to do a research episode about. Yeah, do the Wayback Machine. Yeah. Um, but like. Um, so yeah, it's like a probe droid with little Jedi probes inside of it. Yeah, I that's that's the that's the main uh, concept art sort of nerd thing I have for this episode. Yeah, for this podcast episode, um, I think it's really cool. They always bring back these elements that were in play when they were when they were visualizing the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why I said at the top of the episode of like this is a fun Easter egg heavy show as part of my appreciation for it because. I'm such a art, uh, story art and concept art yeah. nerd that I catch every detail that comes into play when when they're little having having to add any sort of species or droid. I catch it all. So yeah, it's actually really impressive because it means that you've read those books so many times that you can just like see a piece in a random episode and be like, "Yo, I know exactly what movie that's from," and it doesn't even show up in the movie. Hmm. I don't know if it's well, like sad or like, impressive think, or both. It's dude, it's impressive if I get a job that requires that knowledge. Um, do you ever have to do that when you're still. serving people? <laughs> you're like, did you know that no. in Resistance episode sixteen? <laughs> no, but I mean, if I see a kid in a Star Wars shirt, I'll be like, "Hey, cool shirt." Yeah, yeah, and then um, but, but um. 
I think it was last podcast episode where I brought up the fact that they used a Ray concept art piece for a painting in Toro's room. Yeah. Um, that was the last time I did something like this. <laughs> anyway, this uh, hand the mic to you. What's a, what's the takeaway that you have? Uh, well, from this episode, I love that we finally get like, I can't tell if the planet that they cored, because they 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 core a planet, and I can't tell if it's like. It's a planetoid. It's a, it's quite smaller. Yeah, that's why I'm wondering. Did they do it to try to make Starkiller base, and then it didn't work, or did they just core a planet for like the heck of it? Because the planet that had what I assume is the Kyber crystals, because you know the whole Starkiller base thing is you know powered by Kyber crystals. For anyone who doesn't remember that, um, it seems like it's the, planet, the planet. It's the planet formerly known as Elam. Yes, in the which is also in uh, Clone Wars arc, mm-hmm. and also in uh, Fallen Order. Fallen Order. Yes. Mm-hmm. So fun stuff. But the planet that Poe and Kazaron look like an old Jedi temple, or they seem like they are a Jedi. Was a Jedi temple? Um, I don't know what to make of that. But the other, the one that they fly through, that I think the whole area of like planetoids. I think that was just seeing. Like experimenting with coring planets and seeing if they'll stay intact if they take out. Oh, that makes sense. That's what I think is that they're just sort of experimenting, and that they always had Ilum in mind as the final one, but they don't want to mess up Ilum. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and and think about it too. Like you can use the same amount of materials to core a huge planet that's like five times the size of the Death Star, and put a giant gun in it. Or you can use that same amount of materials and work to just build a giant space station that's not nearly as big. So, hey, they're being resourceful. First Order mm-hmm. being resourceful. Yeah. Save the environment. But still, I mean, they, they're still living a paper trail for a 16-year-old screw-up pilot to figure it out. Their that is true. And it's not even a paper. They're just saying too many things out loud. Yeah. But let's let's not let's not be too down on Kaz. Kaz is a smart and resourceful. When he needs if to not, be, if you know, clumsy but still very, he's yeah. got heart. Um, so yeah, I think it's like an experimental thing. As for the Jedi, actually, I don't think it was a temple because remember they show the Tuka doll. It might have just been a a little village. That's right. It wasn't a Jedi. I thought it was a Jedi temple at first because I was like, oh, they're here to steal kyber crystals. Actually, okay, here we go. You know how the in the Children from Tehar episode, mm-hmm. they were going after those kids, Kel and Ayla, because they're Force-sensitive, slash their culture is very Force-heavy. Mm. Um, also, the village on Jakku, remember the village on Jakku in the, in the Force Awakens is a Church of the Force community. Yeah. So, like, maybe your assessment was right, that that temple was Jedi-ish, and that's why they destroyed it. But it has more to do with their sort of force-sensitive genocide thing that they're doing, rather than pouring out the planet for kyber crystals. Mm -hmm. That's right, because from what I understand, Ilum is the only planet that you can really get a kyber crystal. Yes. Um... So, 
But it was blaster fire that was their damage, right? Yeah, that's what like, it was then. So I don't. I think it was just sort of connecting all of it geographically. Like, oh, they could do all these things in the same, same general area. Because mm-hmm. um, maybe destroying those planetoids or the moons or whatever that probably blocked out. Right, right, right. Because they blocked out the sun. Remember? Yes. So they don't have the Kyber arc, re- not arc reactor, but, you know, sort of reactor to drown off the sun. But maybe it has more to do with destroying that moon to block out the sun. Yeah, they, they destroyed the sun somehow, right? In this episode? It, they said that, like, they 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 went to the system. And there was no the star. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like... Maybe the experiment was more than just coring that moon. Bro, maybe it was like no, because Starkiller Base can't move, can it? What? Starkiller Base can't move, can it? I think it can. So what if they showed up in Starkiller Base, took power from the sun, but then the the thing still wasn't powerful enough, so it just blew a hole straight through the planet instead of blowing it up. That makes sense, but that's still it's it, it seems like the cord moon. It's supposed to be like a precursor. A, yeah, the, the the moon looked like a like a prototype circular base, unless the laser of the circular base went through it. That's what I'm thinking. I don't know though. Maybe start the maybe the. I think it's I think it's a real hodgepodge. Oh, I do. No, no, no. I don't think Circular Base destroyed this because the planet was still intact. It was just the temple that was destroyed. And that's and that's what I'm it. saying. I was like, maybe it wasn't a good enough. Maybe the weapon wasn't powerful enough. But I think they're just trying to give you all of the things that Starkiller Base does in the sequels and is like, get it? Mm-hmm. You know, because like... It's, yeah, it's like expanding on what we see in the sequels and sort of from Kaz's point of view of like, there's yeah. so much more that was going on and like he's sort of tracing the steps of what we see in the sequels. Yeah. So it's weird because it, a lot of times it or a lot of it does feel like it's fully explaining background to the sequels, but it also feels vague enough to where like we don't know exactly what like, they're doing. But we know they're trying they're calling out worlds, seeing if the technology works. They're killing Jedi or force communities. And they're draining the sun. The draining the sun thing is what I'm really lost about. Yeah, that's why I don't understand. Because there was no, I don't think there would be a way to drain the sun if if Starkiller Base wasn't there. Yeah. I'm going to let go. I'm going to accept that I can't know everything. Yes. But I think this is all pretty cool. It's a dope episode because we get to see more of Poe being that great mentor character for Kaz. And I, I don't know. I will never get tired of it. Um, mm-hmm. I love it. The gravity well, too. I like the idea oh, of yeah. figuring out how to, how to fly um, when the gravity was all messed up because the planet was cored. Mm-hmm. And how they use that against um, Major Von Reg and, and his TIE fighters. So the thing I thought about when Major Von Reich showed up at the end was that it would have made sense. I don't. I I was just wondering: were those Tie Fighters special force Tie Fighters, or were they normal Tie Fighters? I don't think we ever see the cockpit in this episode. 
but like as far as I know, I don't think we've seen special force tie fighters in animation. And those are the ones with like the red triangle on the front and like a two seater cockpit and an extra yeah. gun on the bottom. This is what Poe and Finn steal. Um, I don't know. It seems like that would be a good place to put them, but I think they pretty much always use normal ties. Yeah, story, story, story. Um, let's talk about how uh, this is the first episode that. Tam is starting to really get suspicious. Like she's getting even more, and like being outwardly suspicious to like other people. Like, was that was that another core problem? When they come back, yes, because well, yes, the very he comes end, back with she's the fireball like, under the under the hangar, right? Yes, and it's the first time she's really questioning people. Back. Yeah, and oh, because Yeager is Yeager was like so cold when he was like. This is none of your concern. And you sort of take Kaz aside and starts talking to him and like really, really adds insult to injury or whatever, where it's just like, yeah. you know, you're really keeping Tim out of it. You're not making any effort to be graceful about this. Yeah. So, you know, she's finally like questioning and she's like, does nobody else find it weird that he like leaves for a whole day and then comes back with a different droid? It's like, you have a good point. Like, that's a good she, point. She had good points throughout, really. I think it's it might have been this episode, maybe a few before. Actually, it was the one there was a one last last time we recorded that resistance that elaborated on her views on the first order. But like I remember the first time I was watching it, I had no idea that she was gonna like have such resentment. Yeah, because I was so locked in Kaz's perspective of like, oh yeah, you don't need to know, but like, really feeling it by this point that like, Kaz isn't really delivering on his end of the mm-hmm. the friendship by keeping these secrets. Yeah. Um, CB, I think it was CB twenty three. Um, had some really cool, like. What's what is the wires that comes out of the roller droids? What do you call that? Wires. I, I don't know. There's a special name for it. You're the one who's read the uh, who's always seen all the the concept art. Well, that concept art doesn't always explain the technology. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know then. But anyway, she like it was. I don't even remember if, remember if it was her or BB-8. I think it was BB-8 that like shot out the sort of wire thing from inside his his body to stick to the probe door, and they stuck it to a column. That was a really cool action beat. Oh yeah. Okay, let's move on to the disappeared. This the one disappeared. has a little bit less serious, like heavy stuff i guess yeah i mean it does get heavy but like it feels more light and i didn't latch on to as much of like the the lore stuff yeah but essentially the first order starts cracking down on very slight resistors on the colossus and locks away on z um hype phase on and the little dude, his species is Alvina, but I didn't get, I forget his name. 
but he's yeah. the guy that uh, won a bet against Kaz in the first episode. I think it's Greville. Greville. Greville? Or... Something like that, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, I the biggest thing that I got from this episode was just Tam finally realizing that she, like, I don't know, she's in such denial in the whole episode about the First Order. Because she's like, for the entire episode, she's like, oh, they're just trying to help us. They're just trying to protect us. Blah, blah, blah. They're breaking the law, blah, 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 blah. And Kaz's like, no, Tam, they're putting them in prison or putting them in cargo containers for no reason. Like, mm-hmm. and I think this is when Tam finally starts seeing the the side of the First Order that she needs to see to have, to like realize how bad they are. And, you know, she keeps th- saying like, Kaz, how do you know to do this stuff? Like, how, like, what? And is is it in this episode or the next episode where the first order person is basically like, yeah, no, he's a spy. That's that's the next one. Yeah. Yeah, I I I really want to jump to that that one really. But basically, the end of the disappeared has Cass and Ramsey and um Hypeson sort of freeing themselves from the first order shuttle, and Ramsey. And hype and, and the rest of those prisoners go off to Takadana, which is very interesting. I remember being sort of like taken aback for kind of watch that. Like, wow, they're actually leaving the planet. Oh, and he said that. I mean, um, Kaz said that at the end of um, the core problem. He was like, "Yeah, I just got. I had to take BB-8 to Takadana." Mm-hmm. So Not, dropping that in there. I don't think there's any significance to that. But yeah, the the Kaz, Kaz does lie about. Yeah, that's what he says. But then um, on Z is like going to Takadana to meet up with Maskanada. Yeah, her old friend. Yeah. Which is I love. I keep there should be a tally of all the different characters who know Maskanada. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, there's like, even more than Yoda. There's so much potential for like connective tissue for like innumerous fun adventure stories. Like Yoda has a lot of connections with Jedi, but it's already a lot, a lot of it's already mapped out in terms of like his apprentices and like his dealings with the Skywalker saga. So mm-hmm. there's a lot you can't do. There still is a lot you can do, but Moskanata for a thousand years has been this, like, center of the smuggler world. Yeah. Knows everyone, like, I don't know. I think I would like, I would like to pitch a very short TV show. Um, It is just three friends having fun times and adventures or just sitting around talking, but it's Maz, Aunt Z, and Sid, they all should be together uh, and just doing their thing. I think it would be hilarious. Space Golden Girls? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Space Golden Girls. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. It's actually, I mean, 
everyone, every, so many people, obviously thousands of people know my opinions about Star Wars. Um, and what I think about the things that they're repeating too much. But the thing that I would have given them full permission since like 2015 is like, use Lupita Nyong'o's Maz Kanata as much as you want for anything if she's yeah. down. The thing is, she's not down because in the past like decade, she's done like three movies, four yeah. movies maybe, um, because she got her Oscar, she got her few blockbuster checks, and she's just kind of like, I'm out here. Like, I got my bag sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't think she wants to come back to the character. But it's that sort of thing where like she could be a good feature in the Lando show. Oh, yeah. Um, like she could be in the Andor show. I don't. I don't think that's that's not what Tony Gilroy is about. I don't think there's going to be very many cameos at all in the Andor show. But like any of these eras, she could play around with. She could be in the Acolyte because of her like knowledge of the Force. Like this is totally off topic. She's not even. I'm going to spoil it. She's not in Resistance. I just thought about talking about Moscanada. No, no, I I knew that she probably wouldn't be in here. You know what I just realized? Wow. That Aunt Z and Uncar Plot are the same species. I think. Mm-hmm. Yes. How did I not know that? How how did I just now connect those dots? Uh, because it's been like six months since I told you the first time. You told me that? I feel like that's what we talked about the first episode. We probably did. Uh, Yeah, no, the second episode, I didn't really get a whole lot out of it because I was just kind of like, oh, man, they're saving people. Like, I was so used to, like, us getting more in-depth and more in-depth and more in-depth, and it was like, oh, we're saved. We're just going to take a quick breather mm-hmm. from the plot. But then, But then we get, um, what's it called? But, uh, we have the um, descent, yes, which is the pre-finale, the pre-nally. Yeah, um, I say that because it really sets up the finale really well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what are your main takeaways from that? Um, I, I don't know. It's, it's very. Uh, I don't know. It's because it's not prequely, but it's like you know, a lot of the show has been very like. Let's pay homage to older, like either the new stuff or let's have bits of uh, the the you know, the prequels and stuff. But this this episode just felt really like new. I really liked it. I agree. I I definitely agree. It's like a. It's um. What actually when I was watching it, it, it for some reason I drifted off into thinking about season two and what I like about season two. Um, this is definitely a precursor for that in terms of they hit their stride in terms of really making good adventure Star Wars stories. Um, yeah, just really it's, hitting it's that like, fun adventure tone. When this episode was like Mission Impossible in space, yeah, like it just I was felt it, big Mission Impossible vibes in terms of the technical like action, sort of how it progressed, just felt so urgent. Yeah, and thrilling, but then on the thematic, like just very heart side of it, mm-hmm. 
it reminded me of Rebels, and it sort of re- was reiterating why I like this show because it is this take on the rebellion that's localized because that's the heart of the rebellion is mm-hmm. people in their communities, in the their immediate environment, rebelling against rep- oppression and how that ties in with the greater galaxy stuff, but how, how a lot of it does everything local matters. Um, and I was moved by the end of it. Um, yeah. We're talking about how Kaz is an honorable, noble guy, even though he sometimes messes up. His speech at the end really moved me. Yeah. Um, and it was just so, it was so cool to see him just lead in that way. And it's funny that like, his that moment where he's finally like, I know what to do and I know how to organize all this. His hair is different. I don't know why that's significant to me. Like that's the first time his hair comes down because he was in the water. Yeah. And it's him being like this inspiring. And he's like, it's for the first time you see, I don't know if it's the first time, but he has like his undershirt. I don't know. A little well, visual like, cue. Jaeger's sacrifice there where he's like, yeah, you got this. I'm going to, they're going to take me. You go you know, like you're, you're going to save everybody. And it's like, <sighs> yeah. Cause you guys got plausible deniability as a former rebellion. Well, they know about guys anyway, but like for the stalling, mm-hmm. they get, they could sort of play along with like, Oh yeah, it's just eager. Well, and the fact that yeah. So another great thing about this episode is that eager has always been very passive about fighting the first order. Yes. He's always been, Kaz, I want to know what's going on, but I'm not going to help you. And in this episode, mm-hmm. he's like, "We we're doing this." Like, I now and know Doze what, is in on it too. And Doze is in on it too. Yes, that's awesome. I love it that Doze is finally making the right decision. It's never too late, I guess. But he finally realizes the bad decision that he made, and he's trying to redo yeah. it. It's still cloaked, like he's still keeping the face of cooperation. Yeah, but he's finally okay with like we need to, we need to go against them because they're taking over. They're arresting the good guys. Yeah, Um, and I think Jaeger's also just like, what's that? I said I think Jaeger's just like, yeah, I know what they're doing now, and that's like no, like no, no, it just can't happen. Like yes, beforehand they were annoying, but now they're like planning something bad. Like we have to like stop them, get them off our, our place you know, get them away. And so the fact that he goes from the beginning of this episode or the end of last episode still being passive to the end of this episode, sacrificing his freedom so that Cass can get away is like, it's a great. But then the flip side of that being they're still unable to tell Tam. Yes. And because of that, they're separated understand. because they never... One of my favorite favorite uh, themes of Rogue One is trust goes both ways, mm-hmm. right? Like if Cassian wants to be able to trust Jen on their mission, he needs to let her have a blaster, you know, that sort of thing um, so that they can be on the same page. Um, Kaz and Yeager, don't let Tam in. Don't, don't build that mutual trust because they're always hiding something. Yeah. So Tam doesn't go after them when they're escaping because it's not within her best interest. Her best interest is to continue to be innocent and not know that secret because she truly does not have any reason to be pursued by the by the First Order. 
So it's just heartbreaking yeah. that like that's sort of the core separation. But then they end up relatively easily telling um, Niku, but Niku is so naive that he doesn't believe them. Oh, so he's like, I am a spy. And he's like, no, you are not. <laughs> yeah, he thinks he's joking. Um, I love it. But yeah, and it's so heartbreaking for Tam that she's like so in the right. And even Tierney, which I love that name, Agent Tierney, literally yeah. sounds like Tierney. In this moment, from Tam's perspective, and from a general perspective, Tierney is being a kind person with ulterior, ulterior motives, but like, it's like a different kind of imperial. She's mm-hmm. displaying empathy. It's like a sort of evolved, twisted first order sort of next step where it's not just cold, calculating agents. Like Callus never, and Callus was also a security bureau. He never employs these sort of tactics. Callus is just like calculating and like um, combat ready. But Tierney has this different motive of like, I'm going to use relationships against each other to build our ranks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Tam is like in the right. She's been betrayed. <laughs> And she goes to the authority figure who is offering trust and offering security and like offering respect because she has Tamar Tam has not been respected at all. She hasn't been allowed to work on the ship or um, to fly the ship. She's been promised so many things and not been given anything. So the empire is, or the first order is sort of stepping in for this perfect storm of yeah. A turn to the dark side, but not force related. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, it's also just like that moment when she's like, "Yeah, you mean your friend Kaz, who is a spy, who was part of the New Republic Navy?" Mm-hmm. Like, and she's like, "What?" Like that whole scene. It's like, oh, like I literally like, out loud was like, "Oh no." It was like, this would have been fine if she found out from Kaz. If Kaz would have been like, yeah, I'm a spy. I was with the New Republic Navy, and now I'm part of the Resistance. She would have been like, oh, okay. Like, she may have not been, like, super receptive at first, but now it's like, now she's being told by a First Order person, and now it looks like he is the bad guy. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's one of the hardest things about... I'm getting really sincere right now. Um, one of the hardest things about growing up is that what like you learn how to gain friends, you learn how to lose friends. And the latter can't happen without the former, and oftentimes they happen simultaneously. The you know, the process of like, oh, I'm finding my people, you can fail them mm-hmm. as you're gaining them. Um and it can really cause a strain on on your Yeah. Because it's how can I be a, how can I be a bad friend if I'm on this hero's journey? Well, step outside of yourself. It's not just yeah. focused on you and your pursuit of fighting evil. Sometimes you can have good intentions and hurt people. Um, mm-hmm. Can we talk about Tierney's costume? It's like the best first order costume I've ever seen. Oh yeah, oh, that was like, fantastic. 
respect for the for the you know Phasma Empire for their like chrome and gold armor. That's always cool. We love armor. And also, you know, um, what's his name from the like, lat, from core problem? Um, oh yeah, Von Reg. Von Reg yeah. with his red stormtrooper. Like yeah, okay. yeah. I would say I I would put Von Reg above Phasma Empire. Oh, I would too. Um, because it's like more tactical, less mm-hmm. ceremonial. Mm-hmm. Um, little minor favorites are the gunners on. Hmm, are they Star Killer Base or Star Destroyer? I don't know. But they have like these really cool like helmets that were originally used for the uh, initial ideas for like what a Jedi killer or Kylo Ren could be. Um, Hux is always a great look. Um, we have a lot of great first order looks, but I think Tierney has the best look because it's functional. You can see her face. She's got a little good little shoulder biceps, so kind of like an inquisitor. Yeah. But you also see like this gray fabric. So she has this like underlying sweater in addition to armor and like cargo pants. And then she has two holsters for two uh, dual wielding blasters. Um, and then also something to be said for her little bun hairstyle. Mm-hmm. Um, probably like a kind of a militaristic version of like a Leia kind of um, look. I yeah. just think that's the dopest. I want to see more of the First Order Security Bureau because I also like Callus. Like Callus was the Imperial Security Bureau. He had mm. a really cool, really cool, yeah, really cool look in Rebels. I think yeah. those are my like. Obviously, I hate the Empire, but like those are my people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if I were to like latch on to a group, it'd be like the spy unit of the Empire and the First Order. Yeah, and. Because they're allowed to be a little bit more individualistic and like mm-hmm. creative. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, were you looking something up earlier? I was looking up her costume, so I got to look at it as you were talking to me about it. Because <laughs> I, yeah, it's, I love it. Um, I still think that, um, again, uh, guy that I can't remember his name from Core Problem is probably my favorite. Um, that red Stormtrooper armor is just... Oh, he's, he's throughout. We've seen him, seen him throughout the season, but... I know. I'm saying the last the last episode he's in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking back at the at the at Andy's costume. She also is rocking... I forgot to mention her chest piece is much like General Veers from Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's, her sweater is a turtleneck, technically. So, like, that's always respectable. Anyone who can pull up a turtleneck. Oh, she yeah. has little knee pads and boots. Gosh. Yeah. One of the best <laughs> sequel era looks, in my opinion. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Uh, oh, also, we never talk about the fact that Leia is, like, they spent the, this entire episode is them, like, trying to send a distress signal to Leia. So that she will send people to them, and Leia's like, "No." That is such a like the fact that A New Hope starts with Leia as a hologram, being like, "Come, do this, intervene, join the war. We need your help. Come to come with us, adventure." And then now it's like the person who's on the adventure is like, "Hey, Leia, help us," and she's in the hologram, just like, "Nah, we can't. No, we can't do we this." Um, 
and that's like but yeah, how it ends. what a challenge that they can't haul in the resistance and they have to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. Themselves and Poe. Poe will come. Yeah, I know. we forgot to mention Poe at at the end of the core problem goes off to Jakku to do his Lord Santeca mission. Oh yeah, so that is that where Force Awakens kind of comes in. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he went straight from there to Jakku to start Force Awakens. Presumably, we don't know how long he's there, but yeah, that's, that's cool. Um, that's why he needed BB-8 because BB-8 is the one he can trust with the map to Luke Skywalker. That's cool. I would have never. I. So does that mean that we don't get Poe anymore? But yeah, I'll, it's not too much of a spoiler that the next two episodes, our finale is Colossus focused and no Poe for the rest of season one. Okay, I'm okay. But, I mean, we already, I mean, you already got that confirmed that like the rebels can't intervene. Yeah, but I thought Poe would come anyway because he's a rebel. Um, okay, I am ready to uh, give my my take of what's coming next and to guess by the episode titles. Okay. So we kind of already talked uh, about it. Next, I think that uh, it's just, I mean, it's just going to be them fighting. Uh, I think Tam. Did you jump ahead on accident last time or? I forget mean? I don't think so. You said we talked about it last time. Is that what you said? No, 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 no. I said I'm ready, but I said I'm going to, this is what I think is going to happen next time. Um, okay. I think that, you know, it's definitely going to be like a whole, like them fighting off the first order. I think the biggest thing is with Tam. I think that Tam will eventually. The, is that because you're looking at the thumbnails or? No. No. Do you want to look at the thumbnails now? I don't want to look at thumbnails. You said that's cheating. Is it? I don't know. You wouldn't let me beforehand, so just tell me the titles. Oh, it's just it's just No Escape Part One and Part Two. Oh, okay. Um, I'll look at the thumbnails. Give me one second. Uh, I don't. Uh, never mind. Don't look at the thumbnails. I'm not looking at the thumbnails. Um, yeah, I think that Tam in the first episode will be helping the First Order find Cass. I know that's a hot take. Um, but I think in the second episode she will. Uh, understand that the first order is is bad, and then uh, it's a nice shirt you got there. Um, and that um, then she will help Kaz fight off the first order. That's what I think. Uh, other than that, they're gonna fight the first order, and they're gonna kick him off the Colossus because that's how the first season has to end. Okay, I just had to look up what I was trying to look up. That is a spoiler. Um, that has nothing to do with what you're just saying. I just wanted to confirm that it was happening when it, happening when I thought it was happening. Um, all I can say is that the next two episodes will rock you. I'm so ready. I'm so prepared. Stuff is coming. I, can't, I don't know what else to say. I'm 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 happy. Um, yeah. Do you have anything else? Because I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to watch. Um, 
did you see the beat? Did you notice the beep, the Bo Peep it, um, the little snippet of Bo Peep, Bo Peep it? Mm-mm. When the well, we, we need to talk about we need to talk about the Colossus because when they were flooding it and like closing the hatches, Bo Peep it is like mopping a floor and then like a thing yeah. starts closing. Oh, that's but then, right. I, think I forgot about that. Some ocean might have gotten into it. I don't know. Like, he he got really upset again. It's hard to keep up when you're like looking at the the narrative, and, and sometimes you look down and you miss it. But like, yeah. Next episode, we will look at the compilation of all the Bopeepit scenes. There's a compilation. To to, yes, to remind ourselves of the grand narrative of the the galaxy's greatest floor scrubber, Bopeepit. Oh, this is one where they the they confiscate his mop or his machine. No, that was last. No, that was the last few episodes. Okay, that was hilarious. We didn't talk about that, but that was hilarious. I think, I think we did. Um, but yeah, what do you think of the Colossus doing that little maneuver? I think it's cool. Um, I don't know why in the world they would ever need to do that, other than to sneak in. Yeah, to do the little... Um, I forgot what the explanation was, but they swam up to the antenna or whatever. Yeah. Um, we forget Kel and Ayla show up again. Bucket almost dies, but he is being fixed by the tortoise people. Yes. Kel and Ayla help Kaz stay safe along with Miku and Yeager. And then mm-hmm. that's how they come up with the plan to swim up. I think Miku, Miku comes up with the engineering of it um, smart dude I love the shot of CB, CB23 going into the water and then like Yeager hold on to her and then Kaz holds on to Yeager oh, that's yeah. kind of cute Yeah. <laughs> and then the sound of CB23 swimming is the same sound of the the water speeder that was in Phantom Menace mm-hmm. the sort of just like low muttering what else? Blah, 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 blah. Um, oh, we get some pirates. Okay. Last thing is that he didn't say it like this, but I was hoping he would. I was hoping Kaz would be like, pirates, please attack the Colossus. <laughs> but yeah. he is more sincere. He's like, we need help. The First Order is taking over. And Sonara is listening. And it's sort of a lingering thing of like, what are the pirates going to do? Do they feel ready to resist the Empire? Do they care about the people of the Colossus? That sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Any other predictions? I don't think so. I'm just ready to watch it and figure it out. That's all. I mean, nothing's... nothing's well, aside from your work schedule and Stranger Things and editing this podcast, nothing's stopping you from going ahead and watching it now and then watching it again next week before we record. I know. I know. I'm I'm ready. So, I will end this episode so that I can get as close to it as possible. Is that cool with you? Are you saying that you're going to watch it? Maybe. Look, I don't know. if... I, I mean, you don't have to, but I would only feel even more proud that you're so eager. So. Yes, we'll see. 
Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the last Star Wars podcast and our resistance rewatch for the first time. If you want to find us on any of our social medias, uh, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at last Star Wars pod or on Facebook and YouTube at the last Star Wars podcast. Uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at the last Star Wars pod at gmail.com. And last but not least, make sure you go check out the first link in the description, which is Star Wars now this.com where you can find, uh, pretty much any star wars podcast you can ever think of so uh go check it out uh we love the website thank you once again for listening to this episode and we will see you next week for the season one finale of the resistance rewatch for the first time see you then